Thank you, Lord, for this day. A letter to my father. Let the church say amen. Since the passing of my father last Monday, December 7th, this phrase has been on my mind since it is part of a song we sing at Smallwood Presbyterian where they allow me to be the bass player uh, when I come uh, on Sunday, uh, even though I sometimes uh, mispractice. But the refrain of that song goes on to say, God has spoken, so let the church say amen. On last Monday, God spoke that it was time for my father to come home, and I and my family are comfortable with that fact since my father is now pain-free and at peace. Um, one thing I want to do before I begin is that there are two items in the bulletin of note. First uh, is the two-minute time allotment. Mom, uh, it's going to take me a little longer than two minutes on this occasion, so please bear with me. And on the second item, I'm Jimmy. Uh, my father was James, and growing up, uh, for people that knew me, then, um, you know, I was always Jimmy, and my dad was Jim, and he is James. So uh, those two things. So with that, and a lot of time that I've been given, you know, I c cannot express really the totality of whom James Carruther was, and nor would I try since what it would be like um, preaching to the choir, as they say. The fact that you are here today tells my family that you already know the kind and generous person, the hardworking and thoughtful man that my father James is. So with my remaining time, I would like to speak with, to the, from the perspective that I and my family have of James Carruthers, the man, the husband, and the father. As a man, the first thing I always noticed, even, even the last time I saw my father, uh, and that was the Friday before last, uh, was his hands. Whenever I came to visit and when I left, we always shook hands. You know, me and my brothers are all, you know, we all grew to be bigger than my father. And uh, I'm relatively a big guy, but the hands of my father were just so much bigger. You know, they were the the hands of a man, as I say, who had his hands on a plow. They were strong and firm. They had character. They were the hands of a man born in 1932, uh, this after the Wall Street crash, during the Depression. Um, you know, he, uh, my dad loves school, uh, but at the, uh, you know, at, in his eighth grade year, he had to quit school uh, to leave to go help on the family farm. You know, he tilled the land with his brothers, and he, he told me he had a mule. You know, back then, there was no tractors. And, um, uh, you know, he had to quit school in the eighth grade to go help his family and uh, to support those in the community. You know, he did later on return to school uh, after the Korean War, uh, going back to Carver College. But, uh, you know, at an early age, he had to, had to drop out of school to help at home. You know, James the man was also dependable. And if he said he was going to do something, it was going to be done. He was going to be the first one there to help, and he was going to be the last one to leave to make sure things were done, and he was, wasn't going to complain. Uh, today, to borrow a phrase from my preacher, Reverend Darrell Gasson, people will crumble on you like cornbread. 
When things get tough, uncomfortable, or even just for no reason, they don't come through. That was never an issue with my father. Now, on the other hand, if he said he didn't want to do something because it wasn't the right thing or because he didn't have time, uh, he would tell you straight away that uh, it's not going to happen. And, you know, there was no ambiguity in my father. You know, my father never met a stranger. And if you came to our house, uh, you had to have something to eat. You know, we used to kid people before they show up that when you come, make sure you get a plate. Even if you don't eat it, just take it because my dad would insist on you having something to eat. Um, my dad was a hard worker, you know, first at overnight trucking and then later as a mailman for 27 years. Um, and, you know, in growing up in my house, I never recall a day when my dad missed a a day of work, um, you know, unless it was like a vacation. He, and even then, he didn't like to take vacation. You know, we used to kid about uh, he didn't want to leave his, his yard, didn't want to leave his garden. So a lot of the vacations we went on early on, you know, we, me and my mom and my brothers went. But, uh, but my dad, uh, you know, he was dependable in that way that, you know, he just didn't miss work. And I think uh, he was only almost late one time, and that was on the last, that was the last week that he was on the job. And on the very last day of his, as a mailman, uh, I, I, I drove out to uh, his route, and I took some pictures. You know, he was proud to be a, uh, a mailman. And uh, the people in his, in his community of Mountain Brook, they appreciated, appreciated him, too, in that regard. You know, he was connected to the community and on one occasion also suffered tragedy as well with them. I remember um, he was uh, on his route and there was two, teen, young, two young teenage uh, boys who were uh, standing on a tree and the, the lightning struck the tree and uh, it knocked both of them out. And my father tried to revive them. I think one of them, I think at least one of them died. And, uh, you know, my dad did all he could do. Uh, you know, the newspaper came out and interviewed him. He just told him that, uh, you know, he, he uh, tried his best to save them, but uh, it just was not meant to be. You know, my, so, you know, and that was a tragedy in the community. Uh, another aspect of my father was just self-sufficiency. Uh, he loved to cook, and uh, I guess we just kind of equate that from just being on the f farm that sometimes I guess you didn't know when your meal was going to come. So if you had something to eat, something to cook, you know, you cooked it. And my dad was uh, a great cook, particularly his barbecue. I know everybody just loved that, and also his sweet potato pies. And I know everybody's talking about Patty LaBelle's patty pies, you know, around this Christmas time, but uh, uh, Patty didn't have anything on my dad's pies. Even my wife, Valerie, you know, she has a, a bakery, and uh, though her pies are good, uh, even they, they can't touch my dad's pies. And, you know, being a, a, someone that grew up on a farm, you know, my dad just always maintained those traits. Um, we used to talk about if something ran, flew, or crawled near our house that was edible, it was in trouble. You know, we, uh, 
we know coarse rabbit, turtles, snakes, squirrels, possum, frogs, doves, all were fair game. And uh, you know, we used to kid kid about the fact that it all always always talk, uh, tastes like chicken anyway. But uh, my dad would, uh, you know, if it if it came by our house and was edible, it was in trouble. Uh, my dad grew his own grapes, made his own wine, uh, made his own ice cream, and uh, also was a gardener. He ate, uh, he grew what he ate, and I can remember plenty of times getting out, planting uh, potatoes with the odds up, uh, shucking corn. We he grew, snapping beans. Uh, we even when he raised his own hogs, butchering hogs and grinding up, you know, just fresh fresh sausage, but uh, uh, my dad was a man of, uh, of the earth. Another thing about my dad, he, uh, he saw value in everything. And, uh, you know, we used to kid, you know, the old saying is one man's junk is another man's treasure. And uh, there's a lot of treasure at my dad's house right now because he saw value in everything. Um, he was a man that uh, his shoes were always shined and his shirts were always pressed. In terms of my father, the husband, uh, you know, he showed us his three sons and also my sister Cassandra and through actions and not words. And for, for us, the first thing um, we notice is that uh, you need to marry up. You know, if you're, if you're a one on the on the totem pole, you need to find somebody to marry that's a four or five on that, up that totem pole. And that's what happened uh, when my dad met my mom. You know, my mother was, uh, was such a person. You know, when we talk about school today and graduating from college, you know, my mom was ahead of her time in that regard. She's uh, she graduated from John C. Smith University in 1955, and she was the salutatorian uh, of her high school class, and that allowed her to win uh, a scholarship that helped her attend John C. Smith University. Um, she was a biology major. Uh, she got out and went into teaching, but eventually went to the post office where she was the first black female postal clerk uh, in Charlotte. So she kind of uh, blazed a trail in that regard. So my dad was smart and lucky to find my mom and they were married almost 58 years. And uh, when I remember when I was at the hospital and he's the one in the bed um, and he was telling the nurse or the nurse asked him, well, how long have you been married? And he said, almost 58 years. And I'm thinking, that's not right. Uh, but then I had to think about it and do the math because I'm 55. And I said, well, he knows, you know. So my mom and dad were married a long time. And so uh, for his children, you know, we've tried to emulate and do the same. You know, my Cassandra, my sister, has a strong, loving family. Um, my brothers and I also have strong wives. My wife Valerie and I have been married 25 years and uh, she also, we both attended uh, North Carolina A&T State. Kevin and Karen, they've been married 
24 years, and they both went to uh, North Carolina AT and our Aggies. Uh, Steve and Cheryl um, heading toward 20 years, and Steve attended A&T, and, and now we're going to give uh, Cheryl a, a break since she's also a golden bull, uh, like my mom, um, and she's also working her master's uh, from Winthrop. And all of our kids um, are, have to do something, given the example that uh, my dad and my mom gave. My, my daughters, Jasmine and Janae, attend uh, Emory and North Carolina State, respectively, uh, Carlton and Kaya, uh, Kevin and Karen's son and daughter. Carlton goes to UNCC, and Kaya will be heading college in the fall. Uh, Josh and Justin, Steve and Cheryl's sons, Josh is at the North Carolina A&T, and he's an electrical engineering major, and Justin, we're going to we're just waiting for him to, uh, to take over the world because he can, you know, no telling what he can do. And tomorrow is uh, Steve and Cheryl's daughter, and she attended A&T. So we've all followed in our, our parents' footsteps, you know, and followed the example of my father of, of uh, like I said, marrying up. Um, you know, being married is a, is a tough thing. It's not always going to be perfect. But my father loved my mother, and over the last few months, it was more apparent. Although they, had, although they had different but similar interests, they were together as husband and wife, and we have children uh, recognized that he loved my mother and provided a good model as a husband supporting his family. And even when my father was in the hospital, he was more worried about my mother and how she was doing asking, you know, making sure that she was taking her medication. It was kind of funny that he's the one in laying up in bed and he's asking her if she's taking her medicine. Well, you know, and that's the example that my father and mother have given us and particularly my father as uh, as the as the man and family. My mom would uh, told me once, you know, that the, I guess the key there is to to let him think he's in char in charge, but uh, you know, but in the background, you know, he's kind of make sure things are done, and and uh, I guess you know we all need that. And kind of coming to the conclusion, you know, of um, James Carruthers, the father, you know, what can I say? Uh, he was the best man in all of our weddings. Um, you know, today, a lot of times we see children, particularly boys growing up without a father figure, and we know, uh, you know, what the outcomes can be in a case like that. And we were very fortunate to have our father in our lives for as long as we did, you know. You know, being himself, growing up in the country, he hunted and fished, you know, and growing up, I remember him taking us hunting and fishing, getting up early. Uh, he showed us how to tie a tie, how to shave. And, you know, we were all involved with sports and he always attended all of our games, no matter, you know, be it basketball, baseball, football. Uh, if he could make it, he would show up. And even as when I went off to college 
And when Steve went off to college, we both played baseball at North Carolina A&T. He'd come to those games. And even after that, when we were playing local semi-pro ball, he'd come out. So, you know, a, a father that provided us love and uh, the things that you would want, you know, that's what my dad did. And, and although today is a sad day, um, it is the order of things that a son speaks on this occasion. Again, you know, we see too many parents and grandparents attending the funerals of their children. And, um, you know, that is not the way that it should be. You know, we don't and cannot determine the future, but the day is, is the way it should be. <clears throat> so in closing, my father would have, uh, he would have loved today. You, might, you know, my dad was an outgoing kind of person, not in just loud, but he, he just enjoyed being around people and having company. And, uh, you know, if he were here, he'd be the one at the grower uh, greeting everyone, just letting them know what was happening, who was here, where things were going to be happening later on, making sure everybody, as I said, had something to eat. So, uh, so we're going to miss our father <coughs> in that regard. And uh, one other thing that I kind of have shared with uh, a few people, and uh, you know, I kind of thought about it, but I, I'll go ahead and share it. Um, the Friday before my, my dad passed, you know, I gave him a call. I was in Scotland. I was working over on, in Scotland on a project, and I called him up on Friday, and our conversations usually always start the same. He said, uh, hey, Jimmy, how's it going? I said, Dad, going good. Yeah, just working. Um, my class is going well, and I think uh, things are going to work out. He said, well, good, good. Well, everybody's doing here, doing good here. You want to talk to your mother? And that would be the kind of the, the gist of our conversation. <coughs> Excuse me. So uh, he sounded great on Friday. I talked to Valerie on Saturday, and uh, he was doing good. And then on Sunday, um, you know, it just kind of took a turn um, for, for just wasn't feeling well. And then Monday, uh, they took him to the hospital, and on the way to the hospital, he had um, uh, a cardiac arrest. And so, um, so I'm in Scotland, which is five hours ahead, and um, and so I think Monday night is when they were kind of deciding what they wanted to, do, what what was going to do. My dad didn't want to just didn't want to linger, and so they decided to um, to you know just take him off the uh, life support. And, uh, and so Monday, he, Monday night he passed about 10, between 10 and, and 10, 30, 11. And as I mentioned, I was in Scotland, which is five hours ahead. And for, and uh, you know, my wife, I tell my wife, my wife knows I enjoy sleeping. So I had a fairly good sleep going on. And sometime around 3.30ish, 4 o'clock, while I was sleeping, uh, I was sleeping on my side, and uh, I felt something like a, like a kind of like a heavy blanket, 
just kind of lay on top of me. And, um, you know, when, when that happened, you know, I kind of panicked. You know, it just felt like somebody was just kind of laying over on top of me. And so I kind of just struggled trying to shake. And so, um, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those, uh, you, you sleep, but you're kind of awake kind of moments. And so sometimes I told myself, just relax and take a deep breath. And so I kind of took a deep breath and just kind of exhaled and then, then I just woke up. And so um, this was Tuesday morning and I generally don't call Valerie until later in the day since because of the time difference, but something just told me um, to just to call. Um, but, you know, before I called, you know, I always check my email. And uh, so I looked at my email, and it was an email that said, call ASAP. So, um, so I got on, on my phone on my, on my laptop, and uh, I asked her, I said, what's wrong? And so, uh, you know, she kind of hesitated. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I must have, I forgot to give her some information you know, because she was going to court uh, to handle, um, you know, a matter at court. And I'm thinking, man, I didn't send in the right information. And so, um, and so she kind of hesitated, and then she said, granddad passed. And, uh, and it's, you know, it just kind of like surprised me. And, uh, and then I said, I'm okay. And then I said, uh, is Granny okay? And uh, and so that's how I found out. And I just take away that as my father, as everyone was there in the room with my dad, you know, as he was transitioning, I think, and uh, I, I have to, I have to believe this that um, that his final kind of one of the final things on his way of going out was he came and visited me he he came he laid on me I felt the weight and uh, and as I took that breath and relaxed I think he just said uh, you know it's time for me to move on and that's that's what he did and so again um, we just as a family we just want to thank everyone who attended the service today we uh, were very proud to have had James Carruthers as our father and husband and uh, God, and uh, you know we'll we'll always will miss him, and I believe that we'll always uh, we all will see him again. So uh, with that, I just like to close and and say, uh, let the church say Amen. Let the church say Amen. God has spoken. So let the church say amen. Amen.